Amen. How many of you would say today that Jesus is Lord? Thank you for that. God is so good to us, isn't He, as a people? I, I love these days, even though they're kind of crowded worship times. It's exciting, it's dynamic to see new members join the church. Lives are being touched and changed through the church. People who are being baptized. It's exciting. It's exciting to be a part of God's kingdom business. It's a privilege for me to stand up here each week and to share the good news of Jesus Christ with you. I find that there's this joy and this relationship that we have because we're brothers and sisters in the Lord. We're in this together, teens. You see, we really do need one another. The body of Christ needs you. If we're going to have a future as a church, we need you to be engaged in learning and listening to the presence of the Holy Spirit speak into your life. We listen. We hear His voice. I encourage you today. But today we continue our series with Jesus, a journey through Lent. You might remember a few weeks ago, we talked about the story of Nicodemus. And in that story, Jesus compared physical birth with spiritual birth. Following that, we looked at the story of the woman at the well. And in that story, Jesus compared physical water with living water. Today, we're looking at the story of a blind man. He was born blind from birth. And in this story, Jesus compares physical sight with spiritual sight. There's one underlining theme to this message today, and that is this. That is that you do not have to understand everything to believe in something. Did you hear me? When your parents ask you today what was the one theme, what was the one point of the message today, and that is this, you don't have to understand everything to understand some things. That even though there are things in life that are unexplainable, there are also things in life that are undeniable. So you don't have to understand everything to understand some things. Our story today is found in John chapter 9. How many brought your Bibles with you today? Let me see those Bibles. All right. Turn with me to John chapter 9. John chapter 9. We'll begin reading today at verse 1. John 9 verse 1. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. And of course, it's speaking about Jesus here. And it's kind of interesting, as he went along, Jesus in verse, in chapter 8, we find that the Pharisees had picked up stones. They were tired of this Jesus and they were going to do away with him, but his time had not yet come. And so as he was making his escape, Jesus takes time for a man who's sitting in the dirt. He's been blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Now, this is fascinating because, you see, there are many common misunderstandings about God in their day, just as there are about God in our day. They had this understanding that 
people have are born blind or they're born with a problem or an ailment because of somebody's sin or because of their sin. The Hindu tradition has a similar uh, concept, and that is in karma, the unstoppable chain of cause and effect. Well, Jesus came into the world to clear up many of these misunderstandings. You see, Jesus came to be the light of the world, to shine some light into the darkness and to help us to understand who God is. That's why he came. Verse 3, Jesus said, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that... Now this will rock your theology. I challenge you today to read this verse a few times. So that the work of God might be displayed in his life. And then he said to his disciples, and this was kind of a teaching moment for him. As long as it is day, we, meaning the group of us, we must do the work of him who sent us, the Father. I want you to think about that for a moment. These were Jesus' disciples. They were the followers of Christ. We, too, are followers of Christ. And this word speaks to us today, teenagers. As long as it is today, we must do the work of the one who sent us. Night is coming when no one can work. You see, we must do the work regardless of our circumstances, regardless of the situation that we find ourselves in. You see, we, when we come to Christ, we come to Christ and he saves us. But if that's all there is, it's quite selfish. But if we allow the Holy Spirit to, to transform us in the image of Christ, you see, we're saved for a purpose. So that we might share the glory of Christ with our world. That we might be a reflection of Christ. That we might allow His Holy Spirit to transform us into His image. We were saved for a purpose. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world, Jesus said. And then Jesus does something to illustrate this reality. He sped on the ground... And he made some mud with saliva. And he put it on the blind man's eyes. It must have been really quite strange for this blind beggar. I'm sure over the years he'd probably had plenty of people who came and stopped and, and sat with him. Maybe gave him some money and talked to him. But it probably very few people reached out and touched him. But there was Jesus. I envision in my mind that he probably knelt down spat on the ground and made paste out of the mud with his saliva. And he put it on the man's eyes. And then he told him, Go and wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So the man went and washed, and he came home, the scripture says, seeing. And really, this is where the fun begins in this story. And quite honestly, this is probably one of the most hysterical stories, I think, in the New Testament. It's really funny, and as we get into it, you will see. The narrative begins to take on a different angle. After anointing the eyes of the blind man, Jesus instructs him to go to the pool, pool and wash. There were plenty of ceremonial baths that he could have gone to right there at the temple, but Jesus told him to go this distance, past 
some ceremonial baths, past another pool, on to the pool of Siloam. And there, in obedience, he was healed. As soon as this man received sight, he made a beeline for home. Because he wanted to share what had just happened. Once I was blind, and now I see. Verse 8. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging because he was a beggar. Asked, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, no, he only looks like him. But he insisted, it's me, it's me, I am him. I was once blind and now I see. You see, something miraculous had changed in his life. He had received sight. Maybe you remember that moment after accepting Christ and, and all of a sudden the scripture made sense to you. You've been spiritually blind to the things of God and now as you read the word, the word of God has been opened to you. People around you notice that there's a difference for once you were blind and now you see. You see, this is our story as well as the blind man's story. Once I was blind, and they begin to argue amongst themselves. That's him. No, it's not. It's him. Yes, it is. I know that's him. No, it's not. I tell you, it's not him. You see, it was unexplainable to them. No one had ever been healed from blindness who had been blind from birth. And this argument broke out. That's him. No, it's not. And he shouted, it's me. It's me. Once I was blind, but now... I see. Verse 10. How then were your eyes open, they demanded. And you know what I think he was thinking? Who cares? I've been a blind beggar since birth. I've been sitting begging for help all of my life. I could not see. Now I can see. Once I was blind, now I see. I don't need an explanation how this happened. I just care that it happened. Let's celebrate. Verse 11. Well, he replied, the man they called Jesus, he made some mud and he put it on my eyes and he told me to go and to wash in Siloam, the pool in Siloam, and I washed. So I went and washed and then I could see. I, I don't know how this happened. I don't know why when he placed mud on my eyes and when I washed it off, I was healed. I don't know what this guy even looks like. All I know is once I was blind and now I see. Verse 12, where is the man, they asked. I don't know, he said. I don't know who he is. I don't know where he is. I don't know how he did it. All I know is, once I was blind, can't we have a party? Won't somebody make me a cake? Verse 13. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had been blind. Now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was the Sabbath. So here we go again. Therefore, the Pharisees who asked him how he had received his sight. Therefore, the Pharisees also asked him how he received his sight. And once again, this poor blind guy says, 
He put mud on my eyes. I washed. And now I can see. Can't we just celebrate? Some of the Pharisees said, The man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. What has happened does not make sense to us. He doesn't fit into our picture of what God looks like. So he cannot be from God. You see, they had already determined that this Jesus was not the Messiah. Then even though it was undeniable that this man who was born blind could now see, to them it was unexplainable. But others asked, how? You see, everybody had a question. How can a sinner do such miraculous signs? So they were divided. You see, they couldn't disqualify the undeniable. This man, they had watched him all of his life. We don't know how old he was. But they had walked by him at the gate many times. They probably even helped him out financially from time to time. And now he could see. And they began to argue amongst themselves, how can this be? Verse 17. Finally, they turned again to the blind man. What have you to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. And the blind man responds, He's a prophet? I don't know. I haven't even seen the guy. I don't know what he looks like. I, I, I thought that maybe, maybe you could tell me who he was. I thought maybe you would just be happy for me and that we could celebrate. For once I was blind, and now I see. I, I don't know what happened. I, I don't know who he is. I don't know whether he is from God or for not. I don't know whether he is a sinner or not. I don't know if it's okay to heal on the Sabbath or not. All I know is for sure that once I was blind, and now I can see. You see, the Jews were having a hard time dealing with something that was so undeniable. The Jews still did not believe that they had been blind that he had been blind and received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. Like many of us, their belief was based on their ability to put the pieces of the puzzle together. They needed to be able to explain why this happened and how this happened. But there was this undeniable truth right before their eyes. And it made no sense to them. So they send for the parents. And they ask, is this your son? Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it now that he can see? Now the parents would have been concerned about their social standing. And so they, they would have given a very guarded response. Verse 20. We know he is our son, the parents answered. And we know he was born blind, but how he can see now or who opened his eyes, we do not know. I would imagine that they were thinking, who cares? Our son, when he was born, he was born blind and we were worried about his future. And now he can see once he was blind and now he can see he can get a job. He can move out of the house. 
We can turn his room into a den. Who cares? Our son was blind. We don't know who did this or how this was done. All we know is that our son was blind. Can we just celebrate the undeniable? So often, the undeniable is all around us. But the unexplainable traps us from believing in the undeniable. Then they said, ask him. He's of age. Don't involve us in this. Don't trap us to where we're in jeopardy of losing our social status. He's of age. Speak to, to him. His parents said that this because they were afraid of the Jews. For already the Jews had decided that anyone who acknowledged Jesus was Christ would be put out of the synagogue. That was why his parents said, he is of age. Ask him. You see, if they would have uh, spoke up for him, if they would have spoke up for Christ, they would have been cast out of the synagogue. That means they would have not been able to get right with God. They could not bring their sacrifice to the temple. And they could not be right with God. They, they would not be able to have fellowship with uh, other, uh, the religious leaders and the people of the day, the Jewish people of the day. They probably would affect their work. It probably would affect the people that they could marry, their children could marry, their, all of their relationships. Basically, they were thrown out of society. So again, they question the blind man. Verse 24. A second time, they summoned the man who had been blind. Now now they begin to chastise him. They said, give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner, so quit giving glory to Jesus. Give glory to God, because he could not have done this because he's a sinner. He replied, whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I do know... Once I was blind, and now I see. I don't know whether he is a sinner or not, but you cannot deny this reality. Once I was blind, and now I see. Then they asked him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes. And I imagine at this point he was saying, really? Really? You're going to ask me this question again? And he answered, I, I told you already. And you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? And then in kind of an antagonistic way, he says, do you want to become his disciples too? Boy, was that the wrong thing to say. They hurled insults at him and they said, You are this fellow's disciple. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, but, for, but as for this fellow, we do not even know where he comes from. The man answered. Now this is remarkable. I've spent all my life sitting begging for scraps. You're the smartest, the brightest, the educated among us. 
I've spent all my life sitting. And this is remarkable, that you do not know where he comes from. Yet he opened my eyes. The man answered. Next verse. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly man who does his will. Out of this man who's sat and begged all of his life comes undeniable truth. The next verse, please. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind before. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing, he said. You see, they could not refute his argument, so they turned to insults. Because they could not explain the undeniable. Verse 34, to this they replied, you were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. They excommunicated him from the community and society. No parade, no decorations, no celebration, no cake. Because what was unexplainable to them kept them from believing that which was undeniable. Verse 35, Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. And when he found him, he said... Do you believe in the Son of Man? Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. And Jesus said, You you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking to you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe And he worshipped him. He did not say, Jesus, what was in the mud? How is it when you put mud on my eyes, I could see? What was in the water when I went to the pool of Siloam that opened my eyes so I could see? He did not say, are you a sinner? Is it okay to heal on the Sabbath? No. He just knew that once I was blind. And now I see. I'm afraid that far too often we get hung up on what's unexplainable and we lose sight of what's undeniable. We doubt God when God doesn't act the way that we think He should act. We doubt God when God lets things happen that we don't think He should let happen. We doubt God when He doesn't respond the way that we think God should respond. We doubt God when things in our lives are unexplainable. But when we shift our focus from the things that are unexplainable to the things that are undeniable, our faith soars even in the face of unanswered questions. Do you know what's undeniable to me? What's undeniable to me is the very fact that I'm here. That I exist. 
that I can close my hands. I can raise my hand. Without even thinking about it, my heart beats 60 to 7 beats every single minute of every single day. What's undeniable to me is that we exist. What's undeniable to me is that as we look out across creation, we see God all the time. Think about the only alternative to creation is to believe in a theory that says something comes from nothing. You know what's undeniable to me? There is a creator. That all things in his creation shout for his glory. They shout of his existence. They shout of his reality. When the rains come down and the blooms go on the tree, it shouts of his glory. You know what's undeniable to me? That 2,000 years ago, there was a guy who walked on the earth. His name was Jesus. He did not come as people expected him to come. He did not come as a babe in a manger. He did not, I mean, he did not come as an earthly king, but he came as a babe in a manger. He did not come to be served, but to serve. He turned our world upside down. He said the last will be first, the first will be last. You know what is undeniable to me? That this Jesus healed many. And today we're able to tell the story of the healings of Jesus because 12 of his friends wrote it down and we have the Gospels. And so today we are sharing a story about a man who was blind and now he can see. You know what is undeniable to me? That this Jesus died on a Roman cross and it's recorded in history. And every time you open your calendar, every time you open your newspaper, there's a date. And on that date, it talks about his life. It talks about his birth. It tells us this undeniable truth that Jesus lived. And he wants to open our eyes so that we can see. You know, it's undeniable to me that this Jesus died on a cross, was rose again three days later. And there were 12 disciples who followed him. Eleven of those twelves gave their life for the cause of Christ. Only Andrew died a natural death. Why? Because the Holy Spirit came and transformed them. And even though Peter denied Jesus three times, the Holy Spirit came and transformed him. He died for Christ. You know what's undeniable to me? that Jesus opened my eyes. For once I was blind, and now I see. I'm a witness to the reality in my life. And I'm just like that blind man who says, once I was blind, and now I see. And God is transforming us. And what's undeniable to you as you are a witness for Christ, He is transforming you into the image of Christ as you live out your life. You see, Jesus came to be the light of the world. He said, I will lay down my life for the sins of the world. And he rose again on the third day. And 2,000 years ago, 2,000 years later, we continue to celebrate and we worship this Jesus who is our King. Praise be to God. Do you know what else is undeniable to me? There's a thirst in every man and woman that longs for the Creator, that longs for the things of God, that cannot be quenched by the stuff of this world, that cannot be quenched by relationships, that cannot be quenched by religion, but only can be quenched by the things of God. 
You see, there's not enough success. There's not enough money. There's not enough progress. There's not enough things in this world to quench an unquenchable thirst. But Christ came so that we can see. And He is the answer to the thirst of your soul. Have you asked Him into your heart and life? You can today. We're going to do something a little bit different today. We're just going to pray a sinner's prayer, and I'm going to ask you to pray that prayer with me. If you've never accepted Christ as your Savior and Lord, I'm going to give you that opportunity. Today, I want to give you freedom not to have to explain everything, but to believe in something. You see, there are some undeniable truths, and you don't have to understand everything to believe in something. And Jesus knocks at your heart's door. His provenient grace, His Holy Spirit comes and knocks. If you feel Him knocking today, I want you to pray this sinner's prayer with me and ask Jesus to come into your heart. Let's pray. Lord, in a room this size, it's hard for us not to believe that there's someone who's been wrestling for a long time with the unexplainable. But they can't get away from the undeniable. That you have come, that we might have life and have it to its full, that you love us, that you are the Creator, and that you died for us. Today, Lord, we pray this prayer. Lord, forgive me of my sins. I ask you into my heart. I receive your grace and your forgiveness today. Wash away my sins. Throw them as far as the east is from the west. And I receive your forgiveness. Fill me with your spirit and help me, Lord, to live a life for you. Amen. If you prayed that prayer today, I want you to come and speak to me or one of the pastors. And we want to start you on a journey of faith. We want to help you understand what that prayer meant as you ask Christ into your heart and life. I'm always amazed. You know, a lot of people will not come to an altar to pray, but some will pray in their chair. If you prayed that prayer today, come and see us.